into the contest. It is Thursday, the 12th of May. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. How are you, Shane? I'm pretty good, Timmy. I'm better than Paul Gallon, that's for sure. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about that in just a tick, but um, I mystified last night. I went to the opening of a new hotel. It's the old waterboard building in Sydney, so this mm-hmm. fantastic historic building that had been derelict for a number of years, and they allow pets, so we walked in there, and there there wow. were alpacas, alpacas <laughs> in the foyer. And Josie said to me, maybe I could bring one of my horses in. I said, that might be a bridge too far. But, um, yeah. The- it wasn't it wasn't, wasn't James Packer, was it? No, 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 no. And Al Packer. <laughs> lucky, we, lucky we didn't get spat on. But it's just a little bit of a, a nice sign of the whole world opening up again. Now, Paul Gallen, um, you're ready to leap in. Of course, uh, you're keen to fight him. Um, let's have a chat <laughs> about that today. Graham Thorpe. Now, this is a, a worrying uh, story this Graham Thorpe ill in hospital um, and a real change of pace state of origin we're just weeks away John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry in 2003 he dreamed of producing a great tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone free from the ill effects of mass produced wheat and barley John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Now, Shane, has Paul Gallen come to the end of the road? Uh, a fight last night, which really was an upset. He, he expected to win it. Yeah, he, this is the end of his boxing career. And uh, look, I, I, I've had enough. I, Paul Gallen is a genius, um, I don't want to say con man, but like he, the way he can sort of turn an audience, he did it in his footy career. Like I looked at his stats just briefly. State of origin, he, he only won four games out of 16. He only won three out of eight as captain. Um, so he played in the losing side most of the time there. He's only two decent opponents he's had in his boxing career. He's been beaten. And everyone just says how tough he is and that sort of stuff. But that that's his job. He's a, he's a front rower and a boxer. He should be tough. But um, maybe he should go into politics now because you can uh, – his ability to uh, persuade people, that's for sure. Tell you what, you've jumped off the top uh, rung today. Now, <laughs> the, the fight, Chris uh, Terzveski, uh, Terzveski, who um, uh, who won it with all three judges, 97-92. It was pretty convincing at the Newcastle uh, Entertainment Centre. And um, look, does this, you know, with all the, the sort of slap talk, bad talk from you, does this mean that the there is a fight? Could we sort of do this before? Origin in Perth. Welcome to Perth, the ultimate blue. De- Could it happen? <laughs> no, no, because he would punch the shit out of me. But um, but saying that, look, his boxing career is finished. He's he's made a lot of money out of that. He'll he'll go into now into some sort of director, sort of coaching role at one of the footy clubs, probably Cronulla, I would say. Um, he does have a fairly good footy brain, but, uh, yeah, I think his boxing days have come to an end. Yeah, I think he certainly made a, a couple of uh, dollars out of it, that's for sure. Mm. Now, uh, turning to cricket, and, look, I remember all those years ago in the mid-'90s before you guys went across to that World Cup, um, mm. and the 
boycott or, well, the decision not to go to Sri Lanka because of unrest in the country, the bomb had gone off in Colombo. It was a huge story. And, look, there still uh, there was, still is a lot of problems in that uh, part of the world. And, um, look, it's uh, a, a, a timely warning for the Australian cricket team ahead of their tour. Yeah, it's scary at the moment. And uh, we didn't go there because the issues with the Tamil Tigers and, and the bombs, as you said, were going off. Um, there is a government warning now for the Aussie, Aussie cricket team not to go there. Um, mm. They're saying don't mingle in big crowds and, and obviously being part of a cricket um, uh, team, you are part of a big crowd. So uh, they will assess that over the coming days. The Prime Minister has just been um, uh, stood down, um, but they're still um, fighting in the streets. So I dare say this Australian cricket tour may not happen. Yeah, and, and uh, it's really tight. The whole financial situation in Sri Lanka mm. is a real problem. And, and Graham Thorpe, well, you, you, you'd you know Graham. You would have played against him, English cricketer, and, of course, uh, has been in managerial and coaching roles um, quite ill in hospital. Yeah, this is really worrying. Um, uh, there's no reports on, on what he's ill with at this stage. They're just saying that he is seriously ill, which doesn't sound great. He, he's a 100-game veteran, um, represented his country. Look, the guy scored nearly 7,000 test runs at 44 in pretty much a losing team throughout his whole career. He's tough. He's a good coach and, and a seriously nice bloke. So um, my thoughts are with him and his family to get well, whatever he's got. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Now, the world mm. game, an interesting choice here for the Oli Roos uh, with Tony Vidmar, appointed coach. Yep, uh, well, it just pre- pretty much says that the writing's on the wall for Graham Arnold post um, this next one or two matches with the uh, with the Socceroos. Uh, but Vidmar takes on the Oli Roos appointment for the 2024 Paris Olympics. Look, he played 76 caps for the Socceroos. He was a 1992 Olympian himself, so he knows what being part of the Olympic Games is all about. And uh, this guy's got very, very good credentials, is a, a very smart footballer, and I think he'll do a really good job with this team. Yeah, it does say something about the whole Graham Arnold thing, doesn't yep. it? Because he coached the, the Oli Roos, of course, at the Olympics. And there was uh, some questioning from some people saying, is he taking on too much? Yep. They didn't do well there. They're going to struggle to make the World Cup. So could this be a sign of things to come with Tony Vidmar? Now, the Sydney Kings, they'll be happy, happy, happy. Uh, they've defeated the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers in Game 3. Break um, They break the 17-year title drought and I'm, of course Paul Smith uh, who's been a good friend of this show mm. uh, be pretty happy yeah congratulations to the Sydney Kings uh, they win the, the series 3-0 um, as you said they won 97 to 88 came from behind to win the third game Ian Clark stepping up to finish with 22 points but he nailed some three pointers late in the game to get the Kings back up in front but uh, yeah congratulations to Paul Smith as you said a very good friend of the show a top bloke and um, he'll be celebrating in his Hawaiian shirt uh, probably still now yeah, he's a colourful individual. <laughs> Jack, Jack Jumpers, every time I hear that name, I feel that's strange. The Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. Yeah, it's, it's like one of those um, packets of chips we put in the kids' lunchboxes. <laughs> Something's called like that, I reckon. But uh, yeah, a strange name. Some marketing genius has come up with that, Tim. All about the Sydney Kings this time around, beating the, the <laughs> Tasmanian Jack Jumpers, ladies and gentlemen. All right, coming up, we've got the AFL, the NRL, the golf, and much more. Now, what do you think of Essendon? Um, obviously, their captain came out uh, on the front foot last week and saying, uh, you know, boo, boo, hiss to all the critics, but it's only two wins. Only two wins. And uh, look, 
but they had five players that pretty much were torn out of their team, mm. um, which actually resulted in a win over the Hawks. And it's funny how that sometimes can happen when you, you bring in some fresh blood. It, it can change the whole dynamic and the energy of a team. So they had a good win last week. But they get back um, Jordan Ridley, who's, who was their best in Ferris last year, uh, Jack Kelly, um, Matt Gulfi and uh, Alec Waterman all come back to play the Swans on Saturday night, Tim. So we're actually off the back of two losses, the Swans, and taking on Essendon now that have a couple of wins. So it's going to be a really interesting game. The Swans need to win this, and Essendon, can they keep the momentum going in the right direction? We'll see. Yeah, yeah, they've had one week, one win in a row, so they're, they're, mm. they're on the road. Anyway, yeah. so the magic yeah. round this weekend, no footy tonight in the NRL. It all starts tomorrow, all the games at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. This really has taken hold, this concept. And, look, it's an interesting one, this first game, this Bulldogs-Knights, the, mm. the battle of the cellar dwellers, and... Both these coaches under pressure. Of course, Trent Barrett had a decent win against the Roosters, but back to earth with a thud last week. And the Knights, well, they couldn't beat time with a stick. Yeah, you have to watch this. And I think, as you said, both coaches will be seriously nervous because mm. whoever loses this one, it puts a spotlight straight on them. Um, the other huge match, obviously, for the Magic Round is the Storm versus Penrith, which will be an absolute cracker. So two really good games to watch there. Although there's some really other good games scheduled as well. Yeah, and rarely do we talk about grand final previews in mm. May, in the first days of May, but that looks like it, doesn't it? The Storm taking on the Panthers, the two top teams in the comp. I know Parramatta did beat Penrith last week, but if you um, want to put an argument forward to, as to why Penrith will play Storm, it's pretty compelling um, yeah, in, a, in a grand final. So that's going to be a cracking game of footy. Now, interesting, we're only around the corner, just a couple of weeks away from the True Blue Ball, which uh, I'll be emceeing for the New South Wales State of Origin team. They'll have their team announced mm-hmm. and... Few injuries. Cameron Murray in in huge doubt. Great to see Turbo back. Yeah, great to see Turbo back, uh, and hopefully back at his best. He doesn't seem quite at his best, but as we said at the start of the year, it's going to be hard for him to to follow up with the season that he had last year. But Fiddler alluding to exactly what we talked about yesterday, how to replace Cam Murray, and he said he'll do that from someone who's been in and around the squad. So you'd have to say you know, Tarek Sims, uh, Frizzell. I think Victor Radley's half a chance. He's a I know Freddie's an East boy, and, and Radley is a big part of that. But um, yeah, interesting to see that. Obviously, the guys off the off the utility bench will be Jack White and, and Nico Hines, but uh, and the rest pretty much pick themselves. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, a few of those positions with with injury clouds. Ryan Pappenhausen now sort of out for five mm. to six weeks, so his name goes off the table. Three tries for James Tetesco last week, so that I mean, not that he was ever not going to be no. picked, but uh, yeah, cannot wait for State of Origin. Now, Greg Norman, he just keeps swinging this one wood around, doesn't he? Um, he's he's <laughs> slamming the PGA Tour after they've rejected players for the the Saudi backed uh, venture. It's interesting to see Greg Norman, he's, uh, his demeanour's changed quite a lot here. I think as a sportsman, uh, very successful. As a businessman, extremely successful. And he generally gets his own way, Greg Norman. Um, he's getting quite a bit of resistance here. And they're basically really turning the screws on now and all players saying you will be sanctioned if you participate um, in any of these uh, Saudi-backed events and uh, in particular their tournament. So it's going to be really, really tough for Greg Norman. But as he said, mate, there's been Rebel Tours before and mm. money talks and, uh, and and it will at some stage. He's really on the front foot, isn't he, mm. uh, Greg Norman? Because for a while there, I mean, he was getting all the publicity for his, his nude showers and sort of uh, <laughs> making the impression in those blue shorts on the beach. And it was like all fairly different, the kind of news 
around uh, Greg Norman. I think he fell down a few stairs at one point, but he's he, he's really um, he's really on the front foot with stuff. Yeah, he is, and uh, he's aggressive, and he's got a he's got a big bankroll there too from from the Saudi boys. Mm. So um, look, he, he'll get some sort of uh, tournament up and running. Uh, there will be players who who initially come on board. It's whether he gets the one or two key marquee players in the first year to go across. Um, they can see it work because we know with these sort of th- these these things, Tim, that you know money can be there one minute and it can be gone the next. And uh, there has mm. been rebel tournaments where, where players don't get paid either. So there'll be a lot of that sort of you know, um, thought process going into it by the current crop of golfers. Yeah, one place where the money's going to stay for a long time is is Tom Brady's bank account wow. uh, in the NFL. Lands a ten year, five hundred forty million dollar broadcast deal with Fox Sports. God, it's a big number, isn't it? Like the guy in his twenty year playing career earned four hundred eighty million. Mm. He's just signed post, you know, a ten year, five hundred forty million dollar deal uh, with Fox Sports. That's a huge number, and. Uh, yeah, he's he's not struggling for a buck, that's for sure. Uh, as uh, you know, a sports reporter commentator, some of the funniest things that I've ever seen are when when you know a commentator might or a reporter might take their eyes off the sport and looks to the crowd, and there's something going on. Now, there, there's been a baseball game where a commentator has been watching an argument <laughs> between a couple in the stands, and it's gone viral. This is genius. It was uh, the Philly fans, and uh, mm. they lost to the New York Mets. And it crossed to a, a young uh, boy and girl in the crowd, and, and she was crying. They were clearly having an argument. And he just commentated over the top, saying, pretending to say he was the guy was saying to her, um, Why don't we stay for the next, the second game? They might, they might rally, <laughs> they might win. And uh, it just sent the uh, Twitter sphere into an absolute um, mayhem as, uh, as people piled in on a very, very funny commentary. Yeah, it goes into meltdown. That is, that is yep. funny stuff. And, uh, mate, to finish it off, uh, Speaking about high-quality entertainment, the great band Six and Out, of course. Uh, when you guys had your private state of origin gig, was it what, what happened here? <laughs> well, was, Gus Gould was in charge of the state of origin team the at that Gus. stage. and The great Gus. And it was just uh, the year after where the players were up in the cross and they were recorded, and we all know who those three players, they were recorded in a taxi saying lewd things to a to a girl. Yep. Um, so they basically said that, that, that this year Gus was going to keep it in-house and he had a private function where six and out our band played at the Clavelli Hotel with all other New South Wales um, sports men and women. And it was a really, really good function, but he wanted to keep it tight and not have the players out you know, doing silly things up in King's Cross. Anyway, we had a fantastic night. We played the gig. We had some beers. We met some, you know, some legends of of uh, all different sports, from netball through to cricket through to, to rugby league. And at the end of it, Gus Gould got up and thanked us all, and he said, "Guys, the bus leaves for ten minutes with the cross. Who's who's in? Who's in?" <laughs> and they all piled on and went to the cross. God, gotta love, gotta love footy players, don't you? Oh, you can't keep a good man down. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. Big thank you to our wonderful sponsors. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. Nice and cold. And our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh, back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Building. Resilience. 
podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience podcast on your favorite podcast app.